just for the next couple of minutes, I want to speak to Eusebius Makaiser, uh, the host of the Eusebius Makaiser podcast, as well as Eusebius Makaiser on Eusebius on Times Live, author as well as political analyst. Uh, Eusebius had an opportunity to read the report, but also spent a lot of time thinking about these sort of things. Uh, Eusebius, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Really, really do appreciate it. Perhaps let's start here. Why should anyone care about this report? Good morning, Oliver. I thought I was going to be interviewed by a white American woman, judging by that voice I was listening to just now. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing to say to your listeners and to the country is that we should put aside how we feel about the president. I think the president is a well-loved media personality, quite apart from being a politician and a successful business person. And when you have someone who's likable, implicated in a story, we sometimes are not as clinical and as analytical as we might be. Um, And so think about it in conceptual terms before you slot the person's name in. The story matters because whoever the president of the day is, whether it is Kalema, whether it's Cyril, whether it's Jacob, whether it's uh, Eusebius or Oliver, it is incredibly serious if an independent panel in relation to Section 89 of the Constitution, finds that, on the face of it, evidence adduced by certain parties, and important parties in this case, political parties in the country, had credible evidence of prima facie wrongdoing, both the Constitution possibly having been violated, and other sources of law, such as laws in relation to the combating of very serious economic crimes. That is what happened yesterday. Mm. That means that this is, A, the biggest political story of the year so far. Two, it is not an ANC story, but it's a story about South African democracy being on trial because how we respond to such allegations that have now been found by a former Chief Justice and two other lawyers to be a case to be answered, will test our commitment to constitutional supremacy above how we feel about a proverbial save. So that's why it matters. It really is very serious and the most important political story of the year. Let's talk about the limitations of this report. Um, It's not a court of law. Neither is it the public protector's office that has certain statutory powers that are enforceable, uh, granted to it. This is a panel that exists as and when needed. More importantly, mm. uh, the word that appears the most in the panel is prima facie, which directly mm. translates to on the face of it. Yeah. What is the legal implication of evidence that on the mm. face of it points to wrongdoing and what are its limitations in relation to accountability and prosecution? And that's an incredibly important question, and I'll answer it in, in this way. Um, There are no limitations. What we should do is to understand what its point is. There are parallel structures that all contribute towards accountability in society. There's an ongoing Hawks investigation. Already more than 80 statements have been taken by them in relation to this matter. The Public Protector's Office is looking into it. The NPA is looking into it. SARS is asking questions in relation to exchange controls. So it's not so much that there are limitations, but that there are certain elements of the many different questions about Palapala 
that are beyond scope for the Section 89 Committee. Yeah. In the same way in which the Section 89 Committee's power in relation to impeachment proceedings is something that would be beyond scope for the Hawks or for, let's say, the public protector. So it is what it is, is what I'm saying. So what is it? Well, it's very serious because it lays the foundation for Parliament potentially voting if there were to be a two-thirds majority down the line with a couple of intermediary steps for the president to be constitutionally ejected from office. So it's enormously important. Mm. From a legal point of view, it also sets up, and this is maybe the most important news angle, Oliver, that it sets up the president's version finally being public. Because mm. remember, until now, he's avoided you, me, all our colleagues in the media. He said, let, let you know, processes take their own sort of rhythm and, and, and things will play out in accordance with the law. And I'm not going to speak just yet. But what this process has done is that his response to the evidence that was put to him has now given us our first official, formal understanding of what his version is. And I think that he's in legal trouble. And I think it's in legal trouble because on his own version, there are many, many problems that I think will be unassailable. I'll just give you two or three, and then I'll pause there. On his version, he did not report this to the SAC. On his version, there was a massive time lag between the 26th of December 2019 and the first quarter of 2020, when eventually he had instructed General Ruder to investigate. But then he says, and Justice Norval notes this very astutely, that he should report back to me. In other words, he doesn't even clearly tell the guy to go to the SEPs, which is why we don't have a case mm. number that mm. can indicate that this is now being investigated, which is required in terms of the legislation guarding these kinds of proceedings. And furthermore, in the details of the relationship with the Namibian authorities, it is the word that is used is discreet. Please be discreet about this, which also means there's no commitment to transparency. And so we can stack up another 10 to 20 on his own version claims that demonstrate either certain commitments to transparency in the best-case scenario, which is an ethical and a, and a political problem that have not been respected by our president, and in the worst-case scenario, laws related to exchange control, the combating of serious economic crimes, etc., yeah. etc., et have not been complied with. I can't see how we will get out of this legally, and in the best-case scenario, he's in massive political and ethical trouble. Two very short questions. Uh, outside of the potential criminality that the president may uh, be seriously uh, want, wanted for, there is also just his integrity being called into question by the very same report, Justice Norway and the panel finding that the president may well have abused uh, his office, the power of the president, when he instructed uh, or when he called on the Namibian authorities and the Namibian president uh, for assistance. The evidence suggests that the Namibian president does not deny having received such a call, uh, and neither does the president make an outright denial thereof. Uh, Justice Norbo and the panel says that may that constitutes abuse of office. Outside of the criminality, that is a serious moral indictment of his integrity and fitness as a president. If you abuse your office similar to how Jacob Zuma has, you should not be president at all. We're not now going to start engaging over the next couple of hours and the next couple of uh, days mm. that if Cyril steps down, who must replace him? Is yeah. that a worthwhile debate to invest in 
as a citizen, as a voter. It may be of interest to you as an ANC member, as a card carry member, as a branch member, whatever the case may be. But as a nonpartisan voter, does the debate around who replaces Cyril matter at all? Let me let me sort of leave it with two directions in which I think listeners of the show need to think about it. The first is that absolutely it matters what the character judgments are that had been made explicitly or by implication by the Section 89 panel. And what's very clear, Oliver, is that the integrity of the president has been massively impugned. For example... You know, Justice Norbo says there are questions that remain unanswered that, are, that, is, that is actually vital mm. to making sense of gaps in the version of the president that he had submitted in response. We still don't know how the money came into the country. We don't understand why he had said to the manager at the farm, take it from the safe and go and stuff it inside the, the, the sofa. Mm. It's very clear that he actually gave that instruction. Mm. And in the best case scenario, he was okay with all these dollars being there. They, they call into doubt the quantum. He says yeah. 480,000. They say additional amount of money, at least 800, and that, that that is unaccounted for. What is the point of it? It means that the, the, every South African, whether you're pro-ANC, anti-ANC, pro the president, anti the president, you are now confronted with a credible, dispassionate judicial panel that is clearly on a fact basis come to the conclusion that the integrity of the president has been impugned and that has got consequences for how we judge his leadership integrity. I'm afraid on your bigger question, there's a bad response. Because of the limitations of the electoral system that we have, you and I as non-ANC members... Oliver Dixon on SAFM. 24 minutes after 9 a.m. As I'm wrapping up my conversation with Eusebius McKaiser around the Section 89 report, I do want to hear from you what you make of it. Give me that call, 86 Eusebius, before we went to the break, you were detailing evidence around how the panel uh, impugns the integrity of Ramaphosa by pointing out so many inconsistencies around yeah. decisions that he uh, made, around instructions that he issued. Some of those instructions he can't run away from because it, it's yeah. common cause evidence and then he says yes. things like but i wasn't involved in the business but it's like this exactly. evidence yeah. of, of operational involvement um yeah. all of that culminates in the integrity of the president uh being called into question but i want to circle back to then that bigger question which yeah. is every other anc candidate has similar integrity issues uh yeah. what then do we how do we have this conversation in the next couple of days yeah, it's a, good, it's, a, it's a good point. And what I was suggesting was, was a depressing end to our dialogue, which is to say that if we are not ANC members, like you and I are not, then we are, we've got to slow down the process of what's going to play out. So baby steps before we get to 2024 in this dialogue. Um, the next couple of days is about the ANC, and it's the nature of a party political system. Um, and so much power being vested by design in party headquarters for all of our political parties. Mm. For better or worse, that's the system we created when we when we designed a new, a new political system in the 90s. Mm. And so what you think and what I think and what your listeners who are not ANC voting delegates think is absolutely irrelevant. We are now yet again at the mercy of internal ANC processes. And when the ANC sneezes, the country catches a cold. That if you and I have a remedy, but we are not inside of the ANC, we can't apply the remedies, such as, for example, saying no to all of the candidates that are compromised. I think what's going to happen is that the country is going to be in a serious, serious um, 
democratic crisis from a reputation point of view in terms of how we look on the world stage because all of the choices, as you correctly point out, are compromised. So you're choosing what kind of compromise you enjoy the best. Do you like a compromised Digital Vibes character or do you like a compromised Pala Pala character? That is the choices. And the same with the others. Then people say, okay, but this is ultimately going to be known in history as the succession elective conference. You should really be watching the deputy president because whoever wins the presidency could be chucked out and the, the deputy president will come in and save the day six months later. There are tough questions to be asked about Paul Mashatila. And his, his own past is very colorful. And those with institutional knowledge will mm. dig it up and should remind us to not be glib about him being the savior. And similarly, Ronald Lamola may be younger and therefore have less fewer skeletons potentially in the closet that needs to be chucked out. But there are also difficult questions to be asked about whether he has the necessary pedigree, the right kind of charisma, and mm. whether he's got sharp ideas to solve the, 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 the big questions in the, in, 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 the, in the country at the moment, Oliver. So on all of these permutations, most of us as non-ANC members, A, are outsiders, and B, the ANC that will go towards 2024 is going to be deeply, deeply compromised, internally fractured, and I'm afraid um, only at the mercy of weak opposition. Mm. Uh, just a final question. I'm so sorry for abusing your time. No, it's okay. um, can a lot of people are, are making this argument on Twitter, obviously, but can the NPA tomorrow wake up and say, hmm, this is an interesting report by the Section 89 committee. Let's use this and, you know, uh, press charges against the president and start prosecution. Or does the NPA have to do additional work um, that that's beyond this? As you mentioned earlier, the scope of the of the Section 89 committee was limited. My reading of the Section 89 committee is that they have a lot more questions they couldn't answer than that they could actually answer. What does this report mean for law enforcement agencies going forward, specifically those saying calling for the president to be charged almost immediately? Yeah, it's an excellent question. Look, I think you've got to get a legal expert on to give you the more precise technical answer. What I would say, though, is this from a political legal nexus point of view. The the president has shot himself in the foot because some of the things that he has said will help the NBA and other law enforcement agencies. Um, and he can't go back on it because then he would have lied to the Section 89 committee, which will set him up for impeachment quite clearly, unless the ANC backbenches lack a backbone, and then the ANC is going to be even more trouble in 2024. Mm. So, for example, one of the things we haven't had a chance to speak in this conversation is that the strongest language is used by Justice Noble when they say that they have serious, serious doubts whether or not this was even a bona fide business transaction, yes. because the buffaloes had never even been given to the person who allegedly bought them. And so the sale, and whether the sale was really even a business transaction, has not been, has not been proven. That's the kind of information that the Hawks and the NPA and the public protector should lap up and it should feed into their processes, and that should make it easier for them to expedite the, 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 those questions of, of legal accountability. Yeah. Eusebius, uh, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Cheers.